Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. I don't know if you know, but uh, January the 19th really is a, is a, is a very significant, super significant date. Uh, what happens on January the 19th can, I changed that sentence this week, um, changed a couple words this week, and it didn't mean a whole lot to you, but it does to me, and that's one of the reasons that I, I, I literally spend weeks fleshing out sometimes the simplest of words. And so originally I think I had said something along the lines of, of January the 19th, the damages, and I thought, ah. And they said, well, it destroys. And I thought, well, it doesn't have to destroy, so it can destroy. What happens on January the 19th can destroy, can destroy families. It absolutely can destroy families. And it can destroy individuals. It can destroy marriages. It can destroy... It can stop people dead in their tracks from moving forward. In a study of over 800 million activities, researchers learned that most people give up their New Year's resolutions around January the 19th. You thought you were looking for something else, weren't you? You're going, whoa, really? That's it? Yeah, they quit. Um, and of course, the date is kind of arbitrary. I mean, it's an average. Some quit earlier, others hang in there a bit longer. But the point of it is, and this is this is a serious thing, it's the point of it is, is that somewhere around January the 19th, people abandon their goals. That's not a very good word. People abandon their dreams. They lose sight of their dreams. They lose their hope. I think we could probably call, I made this up, January the 19th could be National Quitters Day. What do y'all think? We could do t-shirts? Caps, national, I don't know how we get that on a cap. but Well, January the 19th, uh, it's, it's the day that gyms, gym membership becomes a poor investment. Think about it, you get it, it takes you a minute, right? You know, what in the world was I thinking? That new juicer that you bought? That air fryer, hello, those suckers are bigger than you thought. I, they were when we bought ours. And, and so now, by January the 19th, really, they're just taking up space on a countertop and they're collecting dust. <laughs> and you're wondering why you wasted your money buying such a stupid thing. By January the 19th, the snooze button replaces the early alarm. Remember? Remember you're going to get up early? Remember? Maybe you're going to get up early. Maybe, maybe you're super spiritual. You're going to get up earlier. You're going to have your quiet time and something happened and it just, it's just not happening. Maybe you're going to get up early and go to the gym. Maybe you're going to get up early and take a walk, take a run. Who knows? But suddenly by January the 19th or there somewhere about, you quit. Maybe around the third, first of the year, you know, you're having these thoughts that, you know what, I'm going to turn off the TV a few even, evenings out of the week and I'm going to start having conversations with my family. 
You know, maybe you've been thinking about your marriage, maybe you process that through the holidays, and you come to January and you think, you know what? I'm going to spend some quality time with my spouse. What we've been missing is just communication. <clears throat> or maybe it's your kids and you say, you know what? We're going, to hang, we're going to hang out. Maybe you get crazy and you start thinking things like, you know what? Maybe a couple of nights a week we'll have game night. And you're thinking, no, that ain't happening. I hate games. They are from the pit of hell, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> At least that's my opinion, I suppose. And somewhere around January the 19th, everything goes back to normal, whatever normal means. And I guess normal really means a status quo, right? Normal just really kind of means the same old, same old. No steps forward. You've stopped dead in your tracks. Giving up is easy. Of course it is. It's the past of least resistance. When things get tough, the natural response the natural response is to quit. It's tough to persevere. It's tough to push through. It's easier just to give up. And it is an immediate cure for the present fear or the present doubt or the present pain. It's immediate. I'm done. I don't have to do this anymore. Maybe for somebody, I don't have to do, I don't want to do life anymore. It's just easier to quit. It's an immediate relief but can have produce long-term effects. And so maybe you're thinking as you're kind of listening to this, you're thinking, dude, that's like weird. You should have done this in January. This would have been a great January message. But, you know, and I kind of question God about the whole thing too. So he and I talk a lot, and I say, really? Like, I think I'm going to look a little stupid with this illustration. He said, no, because here's the thing. By the time you hit the first of summer, people will begin to reflect on, back on what could have been if I hadn't quit. How much better would things have been if I hadn't quit? And then to make things worse, maybe, you can always look around and see the amazing things that happen to people who refuse to give up. There were dreams that came true. There were goals that were reached. There were businesses that are now booming that were on the brink of destruction. They just knew they were going to close their doors any, at any day. But somebody in that business decided to persevere and to push through. Marriages could have been restored. Relationships heals. Faith could have exploded. And some of you have been just there in your spiritual walk with God. And you know what? You said, Lord, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to get up early in the morning. And you did. And, and yet God didn't show up. He just didn't show up like he thought that he should. Come on, let's just get real. And so whatever the feeling was that you were looking for, the feeling just wasn't there. And you thought, Lord, come on. I mean, you got to do something. I can't stay awake at 5 o'clock by myself. I need you. But you felt nothing. Until you persevered, and there were those that persevered, they went through the difficult time, and now their faith has exploded. The world is changed through the perseverance and faithfulness of those who refuse to give up. That'll preach. 
should bring the band back out, don't you think? Woo! And that sounds great. You know what? That's a, that's a great slogan for a motivational speech. It's a, it's a great... It's a, it's a great line for a Sunday morning message when the pastor wants to get the crowd revved up and excited. It's not so tough when it's your marriage that's failing, when it's your spouse that cheated, when it's your business that's falling apart, when it's your child that was killed in a car wreck. It's, it's, it's not so easy when times are hard and you're facing the kind, of, the kind of mountains that aren't easy to climb. In fact, you don't know that you will ever have the ability to climb that mountain. And for some of you, you're just tired and worn out. One of the things, one of the things that I love about the Word is, is, is the honesty in the Word. It's, it's the transparency, I think, that God has. Somewhere a few years ago, we started using the word authentic as though that it was something brand new. And, and, and really for me, as, as, as just a, a brand new child of God that's trying to figure out who God was, as I started to get into the word, one of the things that was fresh for me is I go, man, God like, was really, really honest. Like he told things that I, be honest, I wouldn't have told. If I'd been him, I'd have said, I think I'd have kept that a secret. I wouldn't have went public with that one. <laughs> one of the things that encourages me is when I look at this church in Thessalonica, one of the things that, that encourages me is their ability, their tenacity, their ability to never give up, even in the face of opposition and persecution. And I don't think, I don't, I really don't believe that, it, that it's just a message on, it's just a story of Great faith. That sounds hollow to me. It sounds empty to me. It, it, it lacks something. I believe what happened is it's, it's what can happen when someone falls head over heels in love with Jesus and you're blown away by the mercy and the grace of God. That's what happens. And people are willing to die. Why? Because of their faith and they want to be strong for Jesus. No, it's because they fell head over heels in love with Jesus. And they know that as long as they have him, it's the only thing that matters. People like that are scary. That's this church. It's their tenacity in the face of opposition and persecution. And maybe they learned this, their never give upness. I guess I made that word up. Upness, I don't know if that's a word. There's a lot of stuff y'all know I make up every week anyway. So. Maybe they learned it from Paul. Here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously. I just think the word outrageously is a hoot, personally. If you just go back to Acts and see what really what he went through, I mean, outrageous doesn't quite seem to describe it. This translation uses that word. This is what happened in Philippi. As you know, but with the help of our God, we dared. I love that word. I do love the word dared. We dared. <laughs> in the face of persecution, we still were relentless. 
to tell you his gospel in the face of this opposition. So the word on the street was Paul's ministry wasn't legit. I, we can't, I don't know how to wrap our brain, we don't know how to wrap our brains around that. Not in the present day, we don't. We, we know the New Testament, we know Paul, we know Jesus, we know the story of Jesus. But you've got to remember, this is a group of people that, that they don't know the story of Jesus. This is back in the days of, there were no trains, planes, and automobiles. There was no social media, there was no television, there, there weren't computers, there was no way to get the message out. It was just literally word of mouth. So many people could not read or write in this culture, and, and so it had to be word of mouth. It wasn't just letters that were written. And so news would travel very, very slow. And the word on the street was, I don't know about this Paul guy. Before coming to Thessalonica, he was in Philippi where he'd been beaten with rods and imprisoned, Acts 16, 22 and 23. We'll give you that background. Then he and his ministry buddies, they faced the same kind of persecution in Thessalonica. So there were, there were literally those in Thessalonica, just do your study. There were, there were those who said, dude, are you kidding me? You can't, you can't believe an ex-con? I mean, really? D did you not hear? Like He, he, he literally is, is on the run from justice. I mean, he was in prison in Philippi. Man, they locked his sorry behind up. How can you believe somebody, literally, that just got out of jail? And it was being said that, his Paul, that Paul's preaching came from sheer delusion. In fact, Festus, who was the governor of Judea, said in Acts 26, 24, he said, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. I love this. This guy, like he should have been from Greer. He said, are you out of your mind? And again, a Greer reference, have so much learning like drove you crazy? Am I the only one? I just like that. I thought it was awesome. So he's not just a criminal. He's a, he's a, he's a crazy criminal. That's the word on the street about him. So you got to be honest. I know you know Paul. I, I know, I know. You're, you guys are really sharp. You already know Paul. I mean, you know that he wrote, giving credit for 13 books of the New Testament. I, I know. You, you already know about Jesus. Everybody knows about Jesus, right? And so you know about Jesus. He was the Son of God. You got that story down. Guess what? They did not know. And so there was those people on the street that said, listen, how he's a crazy man. And he just got out of jail. So these Christians in Thessalonica packed up Paul and his buddies and they sent him on to Berea. <laughs> and for those of you, little, it's a small city in Macedonia, just so you know. But Paul defends himself. In verse 1, he defends himself. He says, but our visit was not without results. And there were results. Lives were changed. In fact, it says this, and, and to remind you back of last week of chapter 1, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. How do you wel welcome a message in the midst of severe suffering? Because you're hungry for something. You're looking for something that will set you free. And it says that they did that in the joy, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Come on. How can you go through suffering and still be joyful? It's crazy. 
what Jesus can do in a life. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Lives were changed. The gospel was being spread. It was spreading like wildfire. So here's the obvious lesson. Here's the principle to apply when you're facing opposition, persecution. Hard times, difficult times. <laughs> Trials and tribulations. Here's the principle to apply. You ready? I just got one point. Most Sundays I don't have any points. So today's going to be an awesome day. Don't give up even when you don't see immediate results. I love the Old Testament, one of the stories of the Old Testament. And it's amazing to me of how even unchurched people know some of the stories of the Old Testament, like the story of David and Goliath. You know, that story's been told in locker rooms, you know, probably, you know, with foul language here and then God over here. A motivational story, another motivational story is the, the story of, of the walls of Jericho and the children of Israel to defeat their enemy were challenged not to go in with an army, but to literally march around the, the, the walls of the city. And so on lap one, you know, I can just imagine somebody says, lap one, well, dude, like, nothing happened. What's next? And somebody said, well, we just got to persevere. We just got to persevere. We got to be faithful. We got we to keep doing what God said. And so on, on, on lap three, maybe there was a baseball player in the group. Okay, I know. They didn't play ball, but just go with me here. Somebody would have said, okay, man, we've marched around this wall three times. Strike three, you are out. Onward, Christian soldiers, let's move on to something else. By, surely by the sixth time, somebody had to say, there had to be a Baptist in the group that had to say, I ain't moving another step. But they didn't. They persevered. They remained faithful. Even when they didn't see anything happen, there were no immediate results. They were faithful. They were tenacious, and it made all the difference. I'm just saying that you can, you've got to be careful to not give up too soon. I can't tell you the number of times over the last 25 years that I've quit. My first church, <laughs> Lord have mercy, I, I, I didn't know nothing. I started with the church with, with three messages and I saw it last Sunday morning, Sunday night and the first Wednesday night and I'm out. I got nothing. You think I'm kidding. The first, literally, my first day on the job, on a Monday morning, Karen went off to work, and I, I laid in the bed. You think it's an exaggeration. I pulled the sheets over my head and cried like a baby. I said, I don't know what to do. Where do I go? You know, how, how do I start? Every, every Sunday night on my way home, I quit. So I ain't going back. I'm, I'm going back. I mean, this is killing me. I mean, I'm in, I'm in school. I'm trying to be a faithful husband. I'm trying, trying to work. I'm trying to put food on the table. I'm trying, I'm trying to do everything I know to do, and nothing's happening. The church is not growing. You know, we're getting smaller. I have the knack of being able to grow churches down instead of up. And I said, you know, God, I'm, forget you. He said, stay faithful. We started spring well. I can't tell you the things that have been said about me over the years. There was a man on a Sunday night took an article that was written in the Greenville News about Springwell. He took it, literally took it to the pulpit with him, and that was his text, I guess. As far as I know, he never quoted a verse of Scripture from the Bible, but he did talk about Springwell. In fact, he, says, I, he said, I was just another Jim Jones. 
He literally said that I was ushering in the Antichrist. And I thought, I'll show you the Antichrist. <laughs> You'll think I'm the devil if I get my hands on you. I, I, could, I, I, could, I, really, I could not wrap my brain around it. This, this was, this was another, a fellow pastor that stood in his pulpit, and those are the type, these, these are, for me, the most profane things that you can say to accredit the work of the Holy Spirit to being that of the devil himself. And I went, you've never, he never heard a single message I ever preached. He'd never attended Springwell, not one single time. When he came down to it, you know what he didn't like? He didn't like the fact that I wore blue jeans. It just, how could I be a man of God and wear blue jeans on, on Sunday morning? And our music, he talked the rock and roll music that we did. And then, I'll never forget this, he talked about the sissy dramas that we used to do way back in the day. And I remember thinking, I will do anything I can to share the gospel of Jesus. I'll stand on my head and look like an idiot every week if I can communicate the gospel. It's the only thing that matters. Wow. <clears throat> And that's just a little bit of what we've gone through over the years. So here's what I've learned. I'm just saying that if you ever have a burden that you can't tame, a passion that you can't quench, if you have a call that you just have to fulfill, and that's what it was for me. That's what it still is for me. I have to do what I do. I can't not do it. I'm not going to not do it. I'm going to do it at the QT. It doesn't matter where I am. If I have an opportunity to share the gospel, and people always say, I just don't know how. And I go, well, then I don't know what, where you are because the Holy Spirit, like, pushes me. And the door is wide open. And sometimes, just so you know, I'm, oh, let's wait. Hang on. I just want to get gas. <laughs> then you just have to understand. That there's going to be critics. You got to expect it. You got to look for it. Don't be surprised when it happens. You need to look up. You need, you need to be looking on the horizon for somebody coming down the road. And I got to be honest, what really just bothers me is it would be awesome if I could stand here this morning and say, it's the world. It's the X-rated, perverted, nasty, lost world. And they're throwing all of this at the church. It's never one time come from outside the church. Every, every insult Every pain that I, that I have associated is always associated with the church. We're the only army that shoots our own. Okay. Then Paul says, says, he says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Wow. We're not trying to please people but God and who tests our hearts. And we know that, I don't, watch this next word that he uses, and we know we never used flattery. We never used flattery. It's, it's a big word. It means a lot. Nor did we put a mask on to cover up greed. God is our witness. And those, there were those who said that Paul was in the business of preaching just for personal gain. And when I say personal gain, this, this word flatter really means flattery whose motive is, is just prestige and popularity. Nothing's really changed, has it? And I don't want to be the judge, and I'm not going to call any names this morning, but there are certainly those preachers that are out there today that I look at, and I think, you know what, really, you just look like you're trying to build you up. I mean, it's how many followers can you have on Instagram or TikTok or whatever all that stuff is. 
and, and so, you know, it seems to me that they're really more concerned about their popularity than they are anything else. Then he says, we weren't looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. And Paul was accused of, he was accused of self-promotion. And I will be honest and tell you that probably one of the things that we've had to guard against here is people that grace this stage. And there have been those over the years that it appeared to me that we're more concerned about them than they were y'all. And they're not here anymore. It's, it's a beautiful trap, but sometimes people just want to be on stage to sing in front of a large group of people. One of the things that I love about Jonathan, I said this first service, I'll say it again in this service, one of, the, one, of the things, one of the reasons I trust him as much as I do is because I know that when he's up here, he's not trying to gain popularity. He's really up here, just wants to be used by God to bring a message to you. And it's not just when he's on the stage, it's what I see when he's out there that he talks to anybody and everybody that walks through the door and he just wants to build relationships. He's not a man who's looking for fame. That's why I love Dylan and Jana and I love these guys that serve so much because of their humility. Then he defends himself. He said, Self, instead we were like young children among you just as a nursing mother cares for her children. And so he was charged of being something of a dictator and he said, you've got to be kidding. I'm nothing like that. They threw everything at him but the kitchen sink, but he was tenacious. He stood his ground and he didn't give up. And of course, of course, they said that he was in it for the money. Like, I don't know any preachers that are in it for the money, do y'all? They're easy targets. I, I, I do sometimes just want to say, what are you doing? Maybe you're not in it for the money, but man, it looks like you are. I'm going to move on. So, verse 9, he says, Surely, surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship we worked night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preached to you the gospel of God. Wow. So he was persecuted, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was lied about, he was falsely accused, run out of town, and finally beheaded. I almost left out that last part. I wanted to remain true to the, to the text and the context, but, but you have to understand that what... Paul was tenacious. Jesus spoke to him. He said, Saul, what are you doing? You're, 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 why are you persecuting me? And it radically changed his life. Instead of being condemned, what Paul found in that moment was he found mercy and grace. It blew him away. He said, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? You're the resurrected Jesus. You're speaking to me. I've got to be. Woe is me. I mean, you're going to zap me with the bolt of lightning. And instead, he found mercy and grace, and he experienced the love of God. And that was his motivation. <coughs> In verse 13, he says, and we thank God also continually, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human word. This is what I claim to. You have no idea. I have never said I'm good at what I do. I have never claimed to be a great communicator. And I don't really care if I ever am. Now, I try to work on things. And believe it or not, you'll be shocked. I'm actually better than I used to be. My wife can say, he didn't say, well, maybe she'll say. I hope that she will say. <laughs> he didn't say some of the stuff he used to say. But at the end of the day, when, when something happens, that you'll have to give credit to God, not me. 
I can, I can live the rest of my life knowing that when I'm done and, and people accept Christ, that they'll never say, oh, it was, it was that great message, but they'll say, no, it was that great God. <laughs> he showed up and did something in spite of God. I think that's awesome. In spite of all the devil's efforts to shut him down and destroy him, destroy his reputation, people accepted the good news that he preached about Jesus dying on the cross to pay the penalty for his sins and he was raised on the third day. Why? Because it was a Holy Spirit moment. It was, it was a, are y'all listening to me? It was a Holy Spirit moment. And that's what's going on right now in some of your hearts. You think, what is, you know, like you're brand new to church. You're like, what is this thing that I feel right now? You know it's not me. It's God speaking to you. Is that awesome? So what are you struggling through right now? What are you struggling through right now? What's that thing that has brought you to a place where you're on the brink of throwing in the towel and giving up? What is it? Maybe it's just life. Maybe it's just one struggle after the other. Maybe it's You've never felt like you had any value and you've never felt like you had any worth that you've been trying to find value and worth your whole life and you've just, you've looked for it and you've thought, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to throw in the towel and quit. I can't, I can't do life anymore. Maybe that's it for you. Maybe you've been called to share the gospel with your friends, maybe at work or your neighborhood or maybe the person at the QT and, and you feel the pressure, right? You feel the pressure. Maybe for some of you, you're thinking, what if they say I'm a hypocrite? You know, what if they look at me and say, who in the world are you to be telling me about Jesus? And you can look at them, listen, try this, just try this. Rather than trying to be holier than now, why don't you just look at them and say, you know what, you're right, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I, I'm probably ten times worse than you even think I am. If, you think, if, if I'm this in public, you can only imagine what I am in private. I'm telling you, I'm a mess. But that's the beauty of the gospel is that God loves me even in my mess. See, it takes, the, it takes the light off of you and puts it on Jesus. Maybe it's different for you. Maybe it's fighting for a marriage that's on the brink of being over. and You've tried everything you know, but nothing's worked and you're ready to quit. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and your spouse is not. And you've tried to love your spouse faithfully. You know, you've been called to do that. And honestly, you just, you just don't know what that looks like most days and you're ready to quit. Maybe you're a parent who's fighting a chaotic, sinful world that's lost its mind. A sinful world with no morals, no standards. And you feel like the worst parent because you, you have standards. And quite honestly, your kids are fighting back because they just want to be free of those morals and standards and you're just ready to give in and give up. I can't tell you the number of parents that I, I, I watch and you're scared, you're afraid of losing your children and the only way you think of keeping your kids is by giving in to your kids and letting them do what they want. Somehow you think that one day they'll make their way back to Jesus. How can they make their way back to a Jesus they don't know anything about? Your job is to teach them, is to love them, is to nurture them but it's to teach them morals and to teach them standards. It's to let them know that God's way actually works. Oh, y'all better not do that. We'll be here another 20 minutes. I'm just kidding. 
Maybe you've just been trying faithfully to grow spiritually. You've been in the Word every day and you've been praying and nothing feels like that it's working and you're not even out of the batter's box, spiritually speaking. And you're thinking, I just, why should I keep on keeping on? I'll tell you why. Don't give up. Because prayer works. It does work. It's not, it works for some and not others. No, it works for everybody. And it's learning to trust that I have a heavenly father and I, I can trust him to do what he needs to do when he needs to do it. And I'm just going to let him be the boss and let him be the father and I'm going to follow him faithfully. And I'm going to continue to do what I know that I need to do. If you've struggled and you felt like giving up, then just take a lesson from Paul and these Christians in Thessalonica and persevere in the face of opposition. Persevere in the face of trials and persevere in the face of negativity. Persevere. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be tenacious and let God work in the midst of your circumstances. He will, he will, he will, I promise. If you'll just let him work. Be anchored in the trust that you have in your relationship with Jesus. Good things come to those who wait. So, I've spent a whole message saying don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. And I'm going to look at you if you're not a follower of Jesus and I'm going to look at you and say it's time to give up. And you're going, what? Like you did a one, where, where are we going? Where are we going? It's time to give up. And that's where you are. You're you're to a point, right, where you're ready to give up. Because everything you've tried to make your life work has failed. Relationships have failed. Maybe work has failed. Marriages failed. Everything that you touch seems to be falling apart. And, and God has brought you to a point to say, listen, bring me your brokenness. I will take the best that you are and if you will allow me to I will turn beauty make beauty out of the ashes that you've created give me your life give it to me you're here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be and Lord have mercy why would you not <laughs> you know really I think I have the easiest job in the world who in the world would want to say no to Jesus because no matter how big of a mess you've made of your life I'm telling you that he loves you I'm telling you that he wants you. He doesn't need you. What you going to do for him? He can't do for himself and do it better. I mean, really. You're not going to impress him. What he wants is a relationship with you. That's what he wants. So if you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Maybe you'd pray a prayer or something like this. Maybe you just say, Jesus, I want to turn away from my sin and I want to turn to you. I need forgiveness. And Jesus, I'm just going to tell you I believe in you. I don't understand it all, but I believe in you. And I want to thank you for dying on the cross and paying the penalty for all of my sin. Thank you. And then I, although I can't explain it, I believe that you're alive. 
And I believe that what I feel right now is you, your presence. So save me. To the best of my ability, I give my life to you. Everybody look this way. So now we get to participate in a beautiful, beautiful thing called communion. So you have these cards uh, that are right there in your seat. And uh, they'll do a wonderful, beautiful job of explaining communion. I just want you to know why I think it's so important to me. I think this is an awesome day for us to do communion. We didn't plan that the message would be this and that we would roll into communion. We didn't, weren't good enough to know how to plan that, but, but God did. See, what keeps me anchored, what's, what's kept me in the game, what's kept my faith stable, honestly, folks, it's nothing else but the cross. That, that's it. There, there have been so many days that there was nothing else, nothing. But I would reflect on what Jesus did on the cross for me. That he didn't have to, but he chose, and he willingly gave his life in a time in history where if I would have been God, I would have said, we're going to wait like until death can be a whole lot easier. Maybe an injection or something. But he said, I'm, I'm, no, I'm going I'm to send my son. And when literally execution by the cross, it's one of the most hideous ways to go. But I want to display my love to the world. So Jesus came and he willingly went to the cross and on the cross he shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin. It's an incredible story. Jesus, on the night before the crucifixion, he gathered his disciples in the upper room. He knew what was coming. They did. They couldn't wrap their brains around it. And he said, listen, in a few hours, band of soldiers, they're going to take me away and things are going to happen and you are going to be lost like sheep without a shepherd. And your temptation is going to be to give up. It's going to be to throw in the towel. But what I want you to do is that every time that you partake of what's been traditional, the Passover meal, when you partake of the bread, I want you to remember the body that's going to be given for you. In just a few hours, I'm going to give my body on the cross horrible, nasty death. And then, I want you to remember as you partake of of the wine, I want you to remember the blood that was shed. And it was a gory, nasty mess. I want you to remember. And this is what's going to anchor you in the difficult times when you're ready to throw in the towel and quit and give up that you'll just reflect back and remember the great price that I gave for you all because I just want to be in a relationship with you. So we have stations on my right and my left. There's a gluten-free station that's in the back as well for those of you that need that. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come and they're going to they're going to lead us through a song. And then I, as soon as I say amen, I just want you to know that you're free to be dispersed. You just go to the right or to the left, wherever you need to go. And then there'll be people that will serve you. They'll serve you well. And as you partake of that cracker, as you partake of that juice, just remember. And if, if you've walked in here and you don't feel loved, you don't feel worthy, 
You don't feel important? Wow, you came on the right day as you reflect on the price that was paid for you on the cross. Father, move in this place as only you can, Lord. Do something incredibly sweet and neat as you speak to us, as you humble us, Lord, as you love on us. As we're reminded of the price that was paid because of the love that you have for us. For what you do in these next few moments, we'll thank you. It's in your sweet name that we pray.